Good to see you all. Wonderful celebration yesterday with Laura and Andrew. So grateful for God's kindness to them and to all of us. So we're glad that you're here. Come on in, have a seat. If you've been here any length of time at all, you will know that I kind of have a uh, way that I do things when it comes to my sermons. It's how I was taught and it's how I'm comfortable, which is basically I pray about what I believe God wants me to say, I prepare, I read, I study, and then I write it out word for word as if I felt like that's what God wanted me to say exactly. Now most times, people who sit in the congregation can't tell that I'm glancing down at my notes to read, but I am looking at specific highlights that I have in my notes, but I'm not reading them. Today, because what I have to say to you I feel like is very specifically for you today, I am going to actually take a little bit more care to actually read what I have written. Uh, I want to key in on one thought that I believe is actually God's heart for you. So this is for you today. If you have any questions, you know, a lot of times when somebody preaches, somebody comes up to me afterwards and says, so were you talking about me today? The answer today is yes. I'm talking to you. In fact, would you say with me, this is for me? On three, ready? One, two, three. Now say it again. It is for you specifically, and this is where I'm going. It's in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, if you're not there already. Ephesians 1, 4. I told you I would come back to Ephesians. That's where I am. And we are just flying through chapter 1. Okay, we're on verse 4. Ephesians 1, 4. He has chosen us. And by us, he's talking about you. He has chosen you in him. When did he choose you? When? Before the foundation of the world. Then, you don't have to turn there, but Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 11. These are the two verses that kind of are like my jump-off points today. We desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. So those two verses are like the kind of key verses I want to talk about today. And here is my point. I don't always give you what is my main point, my main theme, but this is my point today. God's will for us is that we live in the confident freedom and security of a full assurance of hope. That's my point. That's not my point. Thank you very much. But it's close. It's this. God's will for us is that we live in the confident freedom and security of full assurance of hope. A hope that, by the way, is in Him, not in an outcome. Let me say it again. Our hope is in Him not in an outcome. The scripture says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Well, can I suggest to you that part of the reason why hope deferred makes the heart sick is because you put your hope in a specific outcome and when it doesn't happen in the way that you anticipate, then there's heart sickness that goes on. But if your hope is in Him, you will never be dismayed or discouraged because He has never failed. So put your hope in Him. And one of the things I feel like is true of so many Christians, even family life church Christians, 
is that we can go through periods in which we don't feel all that confident. We don't feel that sure of things. We don't feel all that sure about making it through the season that we're in. Or maybe you're here today and you don't even know if you're going to make it to the end at all. You don't know where you're... In fact, the truth is, some of you here today lay in bed at night wondering if this thing is real at all, this thing called faith, this thing called believing in God. Is God even real or is He just some good idea that we wished was real? So we struggle with this sense of a full assurance of hope. John, the disciples, who was probably the closest one to Jesus, said in 1 John 5.13, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So here's John, he's writing. He says, I'm writing to you who believe. You're a believer. But I'm writing so that you who are believers may know, know that you have eternal life. In other words, our heart's commitment to Christ and the sense of being firmly established in Him aren't completely identical to strong feelings of assurance. In other words, you can be a believer in Jesus and still sometimes doubt, sometimes wonder about things, sometimes not be so certain of things to be able to say, I don't know. So here is like my overarching kind of idea for you. So if you're taking notes, this is one to write down. Faith can be real even when the feelings aren't there. Faith can be real even when the feelings aren't there. Now think about that for your own life. Some of you have been going through some really hard things. I have a friend who was riding his motorcycle out on Route 98. And from what I understand, a truck pulled out in front of him, hit that, he's in uh, ICU up in Buffalo. Another young man in the church, motorcycle accident. Things hit us hard. Some of you are going through health challenges. Some of you, family dynamics are tough. So it's possible that you can have a real faith in God, but it doesn't mean all the feelings are always there. Have you found that to be true yet? That you can know you're a believer, but you can go through some stuff that really makes you wonder a little bit. So, as I see it, there are basically two ways to pursue or to gain a sense of assurance. The first is, by examining yourself and seeing if you are really in the faith. And basically, that comes from two verses. Peter says in 2 Peter 1.10, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. Paul words it this way in 2 Corinthians 13.5, Examine yourselves as to whether or not you are in the faith. In other words, this way of Finding assurance is to check the fruit in your life. Do you have fruit in your life? The fruit of God. Are you growing? Are you changing? Are you getting better? So what you're doing is you're looking at, is there cause in my life to believe that there's real faith because of how I am changing every day into the image of God? Thomas Watson, who was a well-known preacher about 350 years ago, put it like this. He says, if a malefactor, or that, that's a criminal, by the way, for those of you guys that don't read those old English words, if a malefactor be in prison, how shall he know that his prince has pardoned him? 
if a jailer comes and knocks off his chains and fetters and lets him out of a prison, then he may know he is pardoned. So then logically he says, how shall we know that God has pardoned us? If the fetters of sin be broken off and we walk in liberty in the ways of God, this is a blessed sign that we are pardoned. In other words, he is basically saying, so one way to feel secure, to be sure that you're Christian, is to look at your life and to see the proof of God's work in your life. That's a good way. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. But what if in looking at your life, you don't see as much change as you think there should be? What if at this point in your life, after having walked with God for how many years, you look at your life and you say, I should be way better than I am. Way more mature than I am. Then that way of being assured can actually do the opposite. It can leave you feeling almost insecure in your place in God. Which brings me to the second way to pursue assurance. And honestly, this is for people like me. People who tend to be a little bit more self-judgmental, a little bit more critical of yourself, a little bit harder on yourself than even others are, this way of finding assurance, I think, is the better way and the more sure way. And it's simply this, and I take it out of Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, where the writer of Hebrews says simply, consider Christ Jesus. Consider Christ Jesus. At the end of the book, that same author of Hebrews says this, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So in other words, Here's the second way. The first way was to look at yourself. Am I seeing change in my life? The second way is not to dwell on yourself at all. Instead, it's to focus on Him. And what He says, He has done for you. And I would suggest to you, that's a better way to approach it. Because every one of us at some point in our life, no matter how much you feel like you have changed, is going to fall you're going to fail in some way, whether in word or in deed, in attitude. And you're going to say, I thought I should be better by this time. So this second way is to put all of the focus upon Jesus. I received a video recently from a member in the church, and it was a preacher who espoused this very idea. He basically said this, if someone were to ask you how you can be sure if you died today you'd go to heaven, and your answer begins with the word I, then you're living on shaky ground. Let me say it again. If someone were to ask you today, if you were to die, how you can be sure that you would go to heaven, and your answer begins with the word I, then you're living on shaky ground. So, how can you be sure you're going to heaven if you were to die today? Well, because I ask Jesus into my heart. Because I believe in God. Because I try to do good things for people. I'm a loving people. If you put the word upon I, that leaves you in a place of insecurity. And you're not putting the focus upon God at all. You're trusting in yourself rather than God. If your trust is in your performance at all, then I would suggest to you that you are living on shaky ground. <clears throat> you're constantly going to be asking yourself, is what I have done good enough? Is it spiritual enough is it holy enough did i do it for long enough did i do it hard enough you're constantly going to be asking yourself those kinds of questions if you're putting the focus upon yourself that's not the way to walk in a full assurance of hope 
We have to start and end with Jesus Christ and what He's done for us. We used to sing a song that went really well with us. It says, He paid a debt He did not owe. Why? Because I owed a debt I could not pay. Right? Didn't matter how good you were, you could not pay your own debt. Only He could. For many people, and I suspect for most people, the more we focus on ourselves, the more uncertain we become about our place in God. Now think about it for a moment. The more we focus on ourselves, the more uncertain we become. Because you're looking at your performance. You're not looking at what He has done. You're looking at yourself. And my suggestion to you today, and the point of this whole message, I was going to actually just blend this all into another message next week, but I felt like I needed to emphasize this, especially there's a couple people here today who need to know something of assurance in their faith in God. I had this image in my mind of you laying in your bed at night and just crying out to God, saying, is this real or am I making all of this up? Will I ever be good enough? Will I ever be able to feel your presence like other people talk about feeling your presence? Will I ever be able to hear your voice like some people talk about hearing your voice? And I felt like God said, you've got to emphasize it's not about you. It's about Him and what He has done. That's where our assurance lies. It's like taking the magnifying glass off of yourself and putting it on Him. The second way of pursuing a full assurance of hope is we focus our attention not on what we're doing that demonstrates that He's at work, but we focus our emphasis upon what He's done to save us and to hold us. The same grace that saves you holds you to the end. Our confidence is this. As we focus on the objective work of God, God Himself will take that work and create faith in our hearts. And there's a verse I want you to uh, kind of note down in your notes if you're taking notes, and it's basically Galatians 2.20. Uh, I can remember the first time I heard my father-in-law preach on this. It was like life-impacting for me. Galatians 2.20 says this, I am crucified with Christ. You're dead. Nothing to do with your performance at all. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not me but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave His life for me. Not the faith in the Son of God, but the faith of the Son of God. In other words, He is so sure of Himself and what He can do in you that that begins to create a sense of assurance in your own heart. You know He can do what He says He's going to do. And when you see His commitment to that, all of a sudden it creates greater faith inside of you. Ephesians 1.3, going back there now. Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Paul begins by blessing God as the one who has blessed us with every blessing and the assurance that we can know of that blessing is God chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. So that's my message to you this morning. It's simply that we look at God's work in our lives. 
but it's all God and what he has done. We, we, we screw up our courage, we try harder, we do our best, and the truth is every one of you in this room, just like me, you fail often. You say something sharply. There's some of you as parents, you have recently lost your cool with your kids. Or some of you in your marriages, you've said some things that you probably shouldn't have said to one another. Or you've had attitudes towards your employer. Every one of us fail. And if we put the emphasis upon ourselves, we're going to live day by day hoping this will be a good day. I can remember I heard one of my teachers once say this. I long for the day when I can have one complete day when I am sure of everything in God. In other words, he was hoping he could perform so well in one whole day that he would feel good about his relationship with God. And I can remember Paul Johansson said, he stood up afterwards, Paul Johansson says, that will never happen in this life because you're putting your trust in yourself and not in God. Your salvation didn't begin with your choice to believe in Jesus. And I know that's going to be hard for some of you. Your salvation did not begin with your choice to believe in Jesus, which, by the way, is a real and necessary choice. It's amazing, but it's true. Your salvation began before the creation of the world. Your salvation began before you were even a thought in your mom and dad's eyes. Your salvation began before there was such a thing as planet Earth. When God began to think of this whole drama surrounding what He was going to do, He saw the end from the beginning because He lives in eternity, and He planned you into His salvation plan. He put you in there Himself. He called you by name. He chose you specifically. That's the objective ground of our, insurance, our, our assurance. It says He chose us. Not an undefined mass of people. He chose us, you. He chose me. And he chose specific kinds of people. Look at, if you would, if you have your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 real quick. 1 Corinthians 1. He actually tells us what kinds of people he chose. See if you fit into the categories. He says this. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. God's chosen the base things of the world and the things which are despised, the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. So it's like God looks at the whole world and He chose specific people and specific kinds of people. He chose people, it says, who are foolish people. Foolish people. That, that's people like uh, Josh Russell, by the way. It is. And like me. And like you. It says he chose um, some weak individuals. That, that's like Neil. Weak people. People who aren't strong. We wish we were, but we're not strong. People like me. And then he chose people that are low and despised. I won't even pick any of you. That's just plain me. Nothing good in me. But he chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. And then he says in verse 29, that no flesh should glory in His presence. It's all of Him. It was all His work. From the beginning to the end, it was His work. And we think we're doing it. Well, I did it. I got saved. 
It was all His choice from the very beginning. And then He adds this in verse 30. But of Him, and when He says of Him, the Him is speaking about Father God. He says, of the Father, you are in Christ Jesus. Or the New American Standard puts it this way. By His doing, His doing, you are in Christ. The NIV some of you have. It's because of Him that you are in Christ Jesus. It's as if Paul the Apostle knew that someone would come along one day and say, God doesn't choose those who are in Christ. They choose, and He just accepts them. And Paul says, no, you're wrong. God chose you before the foundation of the world. The glorious, unshakable, objective foundation of you being a Christian isn't your performance. It's what God has done. It's what God has performed. Before the creation of the world, God thought of you. And He chose you in Him. He didn't choose you because you were already in Christ. He chose you that you might be in Christ. He didn't choose you because He saw you as a believer. He chose you that you might believe in Him. He didn't choose you because you chose Him. He chose you that you might choose Him. Everything I am and all I hope to be is rooted in Him and what He has done for me. God does it all. And we, we embrace what God has done and then we say, look what I did. I got saved. I accepted Jesus. And we're like that little boy who wants to help dad carry this big box and he puts one little hand on the box and he walks with it and when he gets all done, he turns to mom and says, I carried the box, mommy. That's about how much you've done in salvation. You've just received what he has done. It's kind of like we go through this doorway. Think of this as a doorway right here. And on this side of the door, I'm looking at everything that God has said and I say, yes, I believe. And I choose you. So over this door, I put the word choice. I, I, I choose God. And I walk through, and I walk some years with God, and I learn something about God's goodness, God's kindness, God's grace to me. And a part of me becomes more humble because I'm amazed at what God does. And when I look back at the same doorway, on this side I see chosen. I thought I chose him. He said, No, I chose you that you might choose me. And that's what God has done for us from the very beginning. He chose me that I might choose Him. Or as John the Apostle says in chapter 15, verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I know that there's some of you here today who've been walking with God long enough, you know these fancy terms like God's sovereignty and man's free will. And i got to tell you, I don't have any answers to that. I don't know how they all blend together. I just know God's able to do it. I can remember um, I watched a movie years ago called, um, oh help me, Bruce Almighty. Remember that movie, any of you? Remember there was one scene in it where the main character, Bruce, turns to God and says, how do you make somebody love you and not overwhelm free will? God didn't answer him on the movie and He doesn't answer us in real life. I don't know how it blends together, but somehow God's able to not overrule our free will, but He's able to so woo us to Himself that we choose Him because He chose us. I don't have the answers to it, but I do know that when it comes to this kind of stuff, you're going to discuss things like free will and sovereignty and all those kinds of things. You ought to discuss it as uh, who, some... I wish I could remember who said it, but I can't. Said you ought to discuss this kind of thing on your knees with a little bit of humility. 
to know that you don't have all the answers and you never will have all the answers. But I do know this. He said, I chose you in him before the foundations of the world. That's enough for me to know. I have been chosen. Not because I performed so well today, but because he chose me. So whether or not you feel good about things right now, you've done pretty well today so far. I know it's only 1130, but you know, you've done pretty good so far today. And that makes you feel good about your faith. Or maybe you didn't do so good today. Maybe you woke up and you were just in a snarly moody. I don't know. Or, or it's not about how you're going to feel tomorrow. Or how you're going to feel the day after. It's not how you performed yesterday. Or how you performed. Ten, I, I know believers who are still carrying the burdens of stuff they did wrong 10 years ago. But He chose you. Now think about that for a moment. He chose you. Knowing all of your questions, all of your doubts, all of your fears, all of your failings, He still chose you. He chose you to be in Him. Before there was even such a thing as a planet called Earth. It all started in Him. Jonah had it right. When from the belly of the whale, and if you're going to have a bad day, I would think that's a pretty bad day. From the belly of a great fish, Jonah says, salvation is of the Lord. It's all of Him. My prayer as I prepared this this morning was very simply that God would begin to grip your hearts. And I'm thinking specifically of specific people who struggle in your faith because you feel like it's not doing enough quick enough for you. You're not as spiritual as other people. You're not as holy as other people. You're not as gifted as other people or as talented as other people. And you judge yourself harshly. You question whether this can be real. Other people seem so much more sure of themselves than you do. And I felt like God wanted me to say to you very simply, He chose you in Him before the foundation of the world. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I know I couldn't have gotten a much simpler message. But Lord, it's like we read Your Word and then one day we read the same Word we've read a thousand times and suddenly it grips our heart. I'm asking You, Lord, to grip our hearts right now with the truth that You chose us. You chose me. Father, I, I've somewhat tongue-in-cheek said many times over the years, I would never have chosen me for anything. But Lord, I want to agree with what You have chosen. You chose me. Not because I was good enough or smart enough or I was the best choice and what I would bring to the game. You chose me because You love me. And that's true for every single person sitting here today. Before we did anything to merit your attention, you put your gaze upon us. You loved us with an everlasting love. And you said, knowing everything that there is to know about you, I choose you. I choose you to be in my family. To be my son or my daughter. I choose you. And Lord, where there's doubts and questions, and some are real questions, real, real things that 
we don't have answers for. Some today might be here because of things that have happened in their life that make no sense. Maybe they've lost loved ones that they believed God could heal and He didn't. Or other things that they expected God would do and He hasn't. Lord, for each one of those, I pray that You would grip their hearts and let them know that they're Yours. That You chose them. And though it's confusing, they can trust in Your choosing. A full assurance of hope. That's what we're believing for, Father. That's what the writer of Hebrews said was our destiny. So Lord, let them be gripped by that truth today. Before we move anything further in Ephesians, let them be gripped with that. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we might be in Him. Let that grip each heart, I pray. In the name of Christ, Amen. Amen. And by the way, if you didn't realize that we have a couple of babies on each side, new babies, so those of you that like babies, you might want to take a gander. All right? Don't get too close, just look from afar. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day.